1: This episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class is brought to you by Get Your Guide. No matter where you are going on your next travels, Get Your Guide offers great ways to connect with your destination and make memories with locally vetted, expertly curated experiences. Things just as examples. You could go whitewater rafting in the Grand Canyon. You could take a tour of Pike Place Market in Seattle with a chef. There's a London Royal Parks and Palaces tour. All kinds of options wherever you are going. So discover and book your next unforgettable travel experience at GetYourGuide.com. Um. Alienware.com slash deals. That's Alienware.com slash deals.
0: Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works.
1: Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and I'm Holly Fry. It's time for our behind-the-scenes mini minisode time and uh, an accidental science
0: week that we're having this week. We didn't plan for it to be science week, but it is. <laughs> it happens that way. It's always funny to me because often um, Tracy and I don't always consult each other on what we're working on. At this point, we've both done so many that we don't really, yeah. you know, need to check in all that much. Uh, but every once in a while, this happens where we both seem to be on the same wavelength <laughs> that we do, slightly related Episodes,
1: yeah, science time, yeah. Usually, uh, at most, there's sort of an FYI check-in stop of what the topic is, or if it's something that uh, one of us knows is sort of more difficult subject territory for the other. Though there'll be sort of a hey, just is it are we are we okay to talk about this this week? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, so in my life, I have always struggled and continue to struggle with basic arithmetic, but then when I got into like more complicated mathematics and then, like, into more uh, mathematically involved physics and chemistry and stuff like that in school, I actually did pretty well in all of that. But the work that Xianxiong Wu was doing in experimental, you know, subatomic physics, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I watched so many explanatory videos on uh, uh, beta decay. Basically, I get on a basic level, uh, but I watched so many videos that were about her experiment and about what parody is and about the, a lot of the the more general state of the field of experimental physics at the time. And I'd be like, okay, I just, I I don't feel like I understand what this means. It's it was weird. I felt like I was pretty
0: good. And as a physics student, uh, and, until I got to this episode. Um, the thought in my head is so weird, I'm reluctant to say it. But I'm gonna. Uh, I feel like... <laughs> I'm gonna sound like a crazy person. Come with me. I feel like this is one of those places where having studied Samuel Beckett really helps me. Huh. Here's why. Because there is a level of just... Um, acceptance with Beckett. Like, you have to understand that you don't always grasp all of what it is. And you just accept it, and then you're in the material, and it sort of starts to make its own weird logical sense. And I feel like that same thing, I am a little bit better now at applying to things like physics that are difficult concepts, and it kind of makes a weird sense to me. Does that make sense? Yes. Where I'm like, oh, yes, of course, the, the mirror image of parody makes absolute. of course that makes sense. <laughs> but if anybody ever had to really get a scientific explanation, I would be like, mm, let's no. consult a book. <laughs> no.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there was a whole lot of um, physics head shaking. I also really appreciated the fact that uh, there is a biography of Shanxiang Wu and it was actually written in China, in Chinese and translated into English. And uh, one of the things that... Folks who read a lot of literature that uh, is outside of uh, where they grew up and the language they speak. One of the things that people notice is the way different cultures address language and address the craft of how you put a story together. Like, there can be differences. Um, and it was really interesting to me to read this biography, which was written uh, in Chinese, uh, translated into English, that, like, the structure of it was a little different from what I am used to. There was like more repeating of previous material at the beginning of a chapter, which I just found to be fascinating and was like, I, I, it was, it led me down a whole rabbit hole of like, is this more, a more common way of structuring a story in China and in Chinese? Or is that this, like, this one particular writer's style? Uh, and so now I'm very curious.
0: I wonder, too, uh, I do not speak Chinese, but my understanding is that there are not conjugations of verb tense in Chinese. Mm -hmm. So it's not like a verb conveys future or past. It's all sort of now. Mm -hmm. So I suspect in translation that might lead to some of that repetition, Mm. um, where it seems like it's the same thing coming up again and again, but in fact it probably through nuance was conveyed as... Being framed in different ways on the timeline would be my guess.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's fascinating too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that kind of reminds me of how occasionally when I will need to run some like French through Google Translate, that gets really confused about um, the gender of anything uh, because you know all the all the nouns. There's right. the le and the la, and w- when you when you speak French, you will understand that you were talking about her dog. (laughs) But suddenly Google Translate will be like his dog. And I'm like, no, you're just confused, Google Translate. (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, neither of us as Chinese speakers is uh, very amazing at pronouncing Chinese words.
0: No, they're very, very difficult for me, and as I've said last week's Casual Friday, uh, or not last week's, but several back, I think, uh, I tend to speak everything with a French accent, which is a garbage way to do it, and I'm trying to cure myself of that very, very bad habit.
1: Yeah, our our pronunciations on this one did come from Mandarin Chinese uh, speakers, and then we... Did our best to try to render that accurately. So fingers crossed that we did okay, and apologies if we did not.
0: So <laughs> so Tracy, I, I have to confess uh, that in recent years I have felt a large degree of guilt over every time that I ever inhaled helium to make my voice sound silly. Oh yeah. Now knowing that it is a finite resource that we kind of live on a precipice of running out of all the time. <laughs>
1: Uh, I don't think I've come to that point, but when we had that conversation at the top of the episode about how I was the person that had to go get the little helium tank and balloons for my brother's wedding, uh, like it was the smallest tank that was available uh, at at the, you know, party supply store. But I did start feeling kind of guilty by the end that what I wound up doing with it was when I moved and I was like, I still have this little helium tank I basically brought it to the house stuff works video
0: department and
1: who knows <laughs> who knows whether it made its way into some kind of video use after probably, that point
0: probably probably they're a resourceful group they are very resourceful Yeah, I also just, uh, I know I I messaged you about it while I was working on it, but I was so pleased that this had an instance in this episode of scientists who could have gotten into an argument over who should get credit for their work, but instead became best friends. To me, that's the sweetest thing on Earth. (laughs) Well, and,
1: uh, like, to some extent, I, I get it when there are big scientific disputes, because, I mean, sometimes those kind of discoveries really make or break somebody's career, so I understand, but at, at the same time, those they can become so acrimonious.
0: Yeah. It's uh we talked about this a little bit in our our Saul Hertz episode as well. Like there's there's that part of me that just is sad because I'm a little bit of an idealist and I want the pursuit of knowledge to be this pure and beautiful thing and everybody to work together and and cheer each other. But as you said, there are high stakes in terms of people's livelihoods. And mm-hmm. it, it does make sense that there would be Moments of disparity between people. I don't know how to fix that. I don't. I don't know how to fix the human condition. <laughs> but I'm. I'm pleased that in this one instance related to observing the sun without the need for an eclipse and figuring out how to use a spectroscope for any time viewing, uh, mm. it resulted in a, a nearly four decade close friendship.
1: Um, I really appreciated that by total coincidence we did this episode after our earlier episode of the week, uh, because when I was working on Sheng Wu, I really was like my... I felt like the understanding of what she was talking about was on the other side of a wall in my mind that I was banging my head against And then we got to come over to helium, which included, like, all my favorite types of things from when I took physics and astronomy. And I was like, yay, yay, my brain brain can still do science. It just can't do uh, some beta decay (laughs) parity in a subatomic (laughs) physics situation.
0: Yes, elemental signatures in the visible light spectrum is uh, good stuff. Uh Uh-huh. And it it uh, as I said in the episode, it's one of those things that I still I can I can wrap my brain around what's happening, but I'm still wowed when when astronomers uh, and astrophysicists today look at at a new thing that we've discovered out in the the vast expanse of space, and they're like, oh, we think it's made of this and this, and I'm always like, wow, <laughs> <laughs> um, because I love it and I love science. I always feel like a little bit you know, my science grasp is um, hit or miss, I find, but it, I still love it so deeply. And I, I love that the, there are people who use their incredible intellect for the betterment of our understanding of our place in the, the universe. To me, that's like one of the noblest pursuits.
1: For sure. And if there are folks that are like, man, what is, why is it so much science? I don't know what you're working on for next time. But next time, what I'm working on is very far away from what we are talking about uh,
0: this week. Yeah, same. Same. I always want to talk about science, but I know I do it a lot. I almost had a moment. Uh, one of the, the people, th- while I was researching this episode, there was a person that came up, uh, and then it became about photographing the moon. And I was like, no, 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 get away. You've done so we many moon did. episodes yeah. this year. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I responded to a couple of listener suggestion emails that we got over the past week with uh, with basically, yeah, that is actually on my short list for a thing, but it has so many overlapping uh, themes with stuff we've just done that I'm trying to save it for a little bit later. Yeah. That doesn't always work out. We still have runs of a similar theme on the show, but you know, we try.
0: Yeah, it happens. Happens. Uh, and then, as we said, this was completely coincidental that we both picked science this time. Yeah. Sometimes that's just how it goes. Yeah. Uh, we're on whatever, we're both in the science zone for whatever <laughs> reason.
1: Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Let's go places.
0: No one likes to talk about money. Am I saving enough? Can I buy a house? Am I paying too much in taxes? Will I be able to retire? What if you could unlock insights about your finances in less than five minutes with a clear picture of where you stand today and where your money can work harder? Now you can. Visit facet.com to take the free quiz and get your financial wellness score today. That's F-A-C-E-T dot com. This ad is sponsored by Facet. Facet Wealth Incorporated is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice.
1: Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo.